welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Whitford. Hey, hey. And today, we are joined by a special guest, my wife, Amy. Hello. So, uh, we are also going to be talking about the movie Stardust, which, Mike, do you want to give us a quick rundown of that real quick? Yeah, so Stardust the movie is based off of the book by Neil Gaiman, which neither Dylan or I have read. Um, and this was released in 2007 through Paramount Pictures. Interestingly enough, it had a budget of 70 to 88.5 million. Whoa. Kind of not sure <laughs> on that. The gross for it, though, was 137 million. It does have a pretty high IMDb rating with a 7.6 out of 10. And the Rotten Tomato score is a 77 with audience score of 86. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so, like, as, re- as I was reading through, they weren't expecting this movie to be as big of a hit as it was. I mean, not that it was like a big moneymaker, but the fan reception to it was pretty broad, uh, pretty big. Like th- when they were doing test showings, they were trying to see what demographics, because they were like, this is only really going to work for some people. But it ended up pretty much everyone liked the movie. So far, like so, so much so that they were in talks of possibly making a second one. But again, it didn't do financially well enough to create a sequel. Now, this was directed by Matt Vaughn, and it was co-written by Vaughn and Jane Golden. And it was, as I said, based on Neil Gaiman's book. And it was star- it's starring Clara Danes, Charlie Cox, Sienna Miller, Ricky Gervais, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Robert De Niro. All right. <laughs> so we, we're getting the names coming in early. Okay. So before we get into the movie any farther here, I'm just going to give out the typical reminders. So if you want to get in contact with the show, you could send us an email at fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. You could also find us on Twitter, which is at fantasyrewind. And we're also on Instagram, which is at fantasyrewindpod. All right, so without any farther delay, Mike, Amy, let's jump into the rewind. Okay, a lot to kind of dive into this movie. Amy, you've read the book. But maybe we should start with just our overall like perception when we f- originally watched the movie or read the book way back in whenever that was. Like, what's your experience with this property and what kind of brought you to it? It'd be a good place to start. Well, I think I actually watched the movie before reading the book and liked it so much it wanted me to pick up another book by Neil Gaiman and read it. Um, but I think it's just refreshing because the main cast of characters aren't like big names either that play Tristan and Yvain. So Mm -hmm. it's refreshing in that way. And it's such a unique story and you're captivated by it. And it's silly, it's fun. And it makes you want to go back and watch it again because of all that too. So definitely received it well um, and and liked it enough that I've watched it many, many times since. Yeah, I know like for me personally, uh, Stardust was a movie that I had seen like bits and pieces of previously. But I don't think I had ever watched all the way through until Amy and I started dating. And I told her that. And she was like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> so she's like, we got to change that. And so I watched Stardust, I think, for the first time all the way through, maybe only like five years ago, four years ago. But I would say that like even watching it then, like I was impressed by it. I thought that it was pretty decent. Um, I thought that the cast of characters that they got for supporting roles in the movie was pretty outstanding from like Robert De Niro, Mm -hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, Ricky Gervais, like all of those guys, and even Charlie Cox, who went on to become Daredevil. And so it was a cast that 
was pretty loaded if you think about it. But yeah, all in all, like I, I thought that Stardust was quite good when I first watched it. What about you, Mike? So I didn't watch this movie until probably around 2011, 2012. I'd seen commercials for it, was obviously interested because, you know, they were definitely trying to kind of market it as sort of like a Lord of the Rings-esque movie, mm. you know, trying to sort of catch that wave of fantasy. And so I was interested in it, but I never actually watched it until I moved to Oswego and they, they had a video store there and it was going out of business and like I could just buy just the DVD like in a little plastic sleeve oh, case wow. thing. Oh, wow, you're really so I, yourself now. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So I bought that and a couple other movies. I think Milk was the other one, too, I got, which was actually really good, too. But that's not fantasy. No. It's a really good movie. But I ended up sitting there watching it by myself on a laptop. <laughs> Did you cry? And, uh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> I can get a little emotional with movies. But I don't really think I cried, actually, with this one. Overall, though, I really enjoyed it. I liked the... I thought it was, like you said, Amy, very refreshing at the time. Watching it again now, uh, I will say that... eh, (laughs) Not quite as... Not quite as... Yeah, not quite as good. It doesn't have that punch, maybe. Yeah. That you get in more recent films. So maybe that just shows how far things have come since 2007. Oh, definitely. Well, and also, too, this didn't have, like, the massive budget that, mm-hmm. you know, Lord of the Rings had or any of those other really big CGI m- mammoth films. That's so funny you say that, though, because we're talking about this movie and you bring up that it was made in 2007. And I'm like, oh, I thought it was older than that. I was like, is this a movie I from know. the 90s? And I wouldn't have been surprised. Well, I remember that's it when it was released. Yeah, that's so. true. Now, I will say with this movie, one thing I did notice throughout, like, the CGI effects they use for, like, some of the creatures and things definitely didn't age well. The magic looks cool. The magic, like, sort of green, green flamey thing that they have going on with Michelle Pfeiffer's character, that looked good. But, like, when they first go into the bazaar at the beginning and they you see the little elephants in the cage, I was like, oh, <laughs> that's like, that took me right out of it. But Now, uh, let's talk about the story a little bit Yeah, that's here. a good idea. What were some of your favorite beats? I mean, we have really a few big arcs. You know, the first is sort of like the backstory with the dad going across, which sets up kind of the whole tale, I guess, because that's where we get Tristan from. And then you have the beat in, which sort of includes this, in England before Tristan goes back over the wall. And then you have star falling from the sky, yada, yada. So what are some of your favorite parts of this movie or this story? So I think that part of my favorite parts of the movie here really comes down to the fact that it really tries to blend the world of fantasy and real life as well. Like just that combination of, oh, it's just a sleepy little town in England, just like nothing special about it, except there's this wall that lets you cross over into this fantastical kingdom, kind of like the wardrobe in Chronicles of Narnia. And you just have these two worlds that coexist so well together. And I also thought, like, the overarching theming of the movie was quite good as well. When you talk about Victoria and Tristan and how he's like, oh, I have it for this. I have it bad for the hot girl in the window who hates me. And then the star obviously, you know, comes into his life and makes him realize, you know, that love should be unconditional and just like that theming throughout the movie as well is really good 
And, of course, I can't go on without talking about my favorite parts of the movie without bringing up Robert De Niro. And just... (laughs) Captain Shakespeare, shake it. How awesome, like, his character was. And the blending of, like, the whole, like, comedy that he does into the movie Mm -hmm. was so unexpected in a period of time when Robert De Niro was being cast as a gangster in so many movies. Yeah. So, again, like, just great movie, great... uh, story beats there what were some of your favorite parts here amy um well i think captain shakespeare's part is one that everybody really likes but i also love the seven brothers um, of stormhold and fighting it out to the last one um that's an interesting concept right yeah and the father you know saying i'm disappointed that this many of you are still alive so many right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I really enjoy that part. And then you have, of course, you know, the three witch sisters um, and Michelle Pfeiffer being the lead for them um, and, and their woven story as well. Um, so I, I appreciate how each of those different parts all seems to be strong in itself. Mm-hmm. Um you know, as part of the main story of Tristan and Yvaine on their journey. Um, so every time it cuts to those different scenes, you're very entertained. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Captain Shakespeare definitely steals the show, no pun intended there. Uh, <laughs> and just his his blend of sort of like, he has to have this persona, this legendary appearance, and then that's not really who he is. And I think uh, when you talk about themes in this movie dylan like you were saying unconditional love Mm -hmm. that's definitely prevalent throughout right between you know the star and tristan but also between um like his crew yeah captain shakespeare and his crew yeah i was gonna bring that up yeah and i mean even like tristan's mother and him even though not Mm -hmm. being around him for so long and like by the end still having like a connection there and even with the dad and stuff like it is definitely a very big theme I think the other really big theme here is just being willing to like expand your world outside of just a small town. Right. Like taking risks, going, I mean, adventure, obviously big, but you know, he, he talks to like Victoria at the beginning about how he wants to go way past, uh, whatever the other town. Right. He's like next town over that he's buying the ring from, I'd go to Africa and get a diamond for you. Yeah. And, I mean, he ends up going so much farther and just realizing just how small his perception was. And at Mm -hmm. the end, like, seeing Victoria in a whole new light. And sometimes I think that's such an important message for people. Like, we can't just stay in our own boxes. We really do have to see the world and sort of experience things in different ways. And it's going to change your perception of things that you thought were important. Maybe they're not so important. I, I, I like the theming there. I liked, too, the whole, like you were saying, Amy, the interwoven story between the witches the princes and then the star and like Tristan's adventure all kind of melding together also to Tristan's mother Mm -hmm. and how she ends up being, you know, the lost princess and how Tristan sort of enters into that. It's all very neatly put together. Now, Amy, we can't go much farther. I think without asking what were some of the big differences between the source material and the movie. And this is, this is going to be a big surprise for both Dylan and myself because (laughs) I'm excited for your reactions. Um, So here's one that's going to blow your mind. So Captain Shakespeare doesn't exist. 
in the book. What? Oh, no! <laughs> so oh my they gosh. do end up in a cloud where, you know, when they are trying to escape. And they are rescued by um, a captain and a woman on this ship that are collecting lightning. Um, but the captain goes by a different name um, that's much less illustrious than Captain Shakespeare. <laughs> and, you know, they kind of just help um, splint Yvain's leg because she broke her leg very badly in the book um, and kind of help nurse them back to health in that way. Um, but there isn't that you don't get all of those little pieces in the movie of the crew and the captain and, and all of that, which really makes it. And so this kind of brings up something big for me, which we'll probably talk about maybe towards the end, but this is one instance where I think the movie is actually better than the book. So rare. Yeah. And that doesn't happen, right? Especially with an author like Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they took some of his lines and his same sense of humor and just, I think made it even a little better. Um, Mm. so you still had, uh, in the beginning, so a few differences, so they can go over the wall every nine years. Um, everyone can, if they want to, and people actually come into the town. It's this big event and it's like a big moneymaker almost for the town. Cause like people Mm. are coming to stay. Um, and Tristan's dad, there's like a, um, a guy that stays there, um, and like kind of rents his, his room. Um, and gives Tristan's dad a gift of saying that today you will meet your true love. And his dad goes into then, you know, the big fair. And the same interaction happens with Tristan's mom. They meet, he gets the snowdrop, all of that stuff. Um, you know, baby arrives at the wall later. Um, another difference, though, is his dad goes back across and he marries someone else and actually has a daughter who's six months younger than Tristan is so he grows up with a sister and a mom and he never knows that he had like um, a A mom that was different and apparently no one explains to him how babies are made because (laughs) (laughs) he is only six months older than his sister (laughs) Um, (laughs) so um, so that's he's a little more naive I guess Um, and then uh, he, you know, uh, wants to go across the wall to get this star for Victoria. And the same interaction happens where he's like, I would do anything for you. I would go, I would, I would slay a polar bear. And she's like, oh, that's gross. No, right? Like, so the same funny things happen in that way. Um, but his dad instead takes Tristan down to the wall to the, to the gatekeeper um, there. And different people trade off kind of instead of that one older guy. And he says, hey, like, you know, can you let him across the wall? And they're like, yeah, we kind of, like, knew this was going to happen. Like, you know. So instead of, you know, the those funny scenes of, like, you know, getting past the guard and <laughs> the guy in the yeah. training. When he gets the old man, yeah, jumps, like, backflips three times and then's yeah, like, all the beating him up. It's like, your dad might have gotten past me, but you're not. Yeah, so then he starts traveling. He doesn't, the Babylon candle isn't given to him at this point. He doesn't have like the chain yet. And he meets this this guy who's described again as kind of like a little old man um, who's kind of funny. And it's the same guy who stayed years ago and gave his dad the gift of, you know, finding true love that day. Mm. So he comes upon that older man gentleman and like kind of befriends him. And they like go through these woods together and like the woods start to like 
um, hide from you like the true path and the woods try to kill you. And the guy's like, oh, we're going to die. And Tristan's like, oh, I can get us out of the woods. No problem. And he has this weird sense of direction and knows where everything is in the world of fairy, which is what it's called. Because the guy's like, can you tell me where this place is? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's over there. So Tristan has this knack for knowing where everything is in this world of fairy that he's never been to before. Hmm. It's like the special ability he has at this point. So after he saves the guy's life, they get out of these woods that are attacking them. The guy goes into town to buy Tristan new clothes to replace his that are all torn up. And then he gets him the Babylon candle as well um, and gives it to him to go find the star. So you have different characters and then there's a unicorn and a lion fighting that like him and the star come across. Um, and it relates to like an old like fairy tale of like the, the lion and the unicorn fighting for the crown. And so same with Babylon candle. It's like there's a, a nursery rhyme to do with Babylon candles. And so as Tristan's going through this world, there's a lot more creatures. There's goblins. So there's more creatures hmm. than we see in the movie. Um, and a lot of them are ones he'd heard about in like nursery rhymes or fairy tales growing up. And they actually exist in this world, right? So there's a little more of that um, that you don't you know, um, see in the movie, which I think would have made it interesting, but probably due to production costs, maybe they couldn't include all that cool stuff. Um, yeah, but there is some of the same funny stuff, like the guy who gets turned into a goat, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, the one brother, the brothers that are dead and not dead differ a little bit, but the one brother dies the first one when they're all staying at an inn. And actually it's a little bit more, um, that he, like, pays a coin to, like, this girl at the end to come in and do some things with him. And and she brings some wine, and uh, he drinks it and dies. So things are a little more spicy sometimes, too, <laughs> than, uh, than in the movie. So those are a few things. Um, I definitely recommend reading the book if you liked the movie, just because you'll see it through a different perspective as well. I mean, I've always enjoyed everything I've read from Neil Gaiman, yeah. but... yeah. Thinking about even Sandman, I do think that the show really, a lot of people may say it's better than the, the graphic novel mm. if they didn't have any kind of nostalgia with the, with the comic or with the uh, source material. Like Dylan, I think you would probably say you enjoyed the show better than reading those old I did. I, I would definitely say that I like the show Sandman better than the graphic novel. And I think part of the reason I liked that better was because it didn't force the tie-in to DC characters and DC lore and everything like that, that you didn't necessarily yeah. need for the great storytelling that takes place. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. But just sort of drawing some parallels there, like maybe his work does translate really well to the screen, which yeah. I think it does. I mean, you look at American gods as well. Mm-hmm. Fantastic book also is, a, was a pretty good show. Unfortunately, it only lasted two seasons, three whatever. seasons, I think. Okay. Three seasons. Yeah. All right. So we've talked kind of a bit the connection between some of the source material. We talked a bit about how we were sort of introduced to the film. Anything else you think we need to hit before we talk about our like big overall impressions with this movie? Well, so I just want to bring up and I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. What are your guys' thoughts on like how quickly uh, Tristan's dad and mom just like randomly meet? And just bang it out real quick before 
giving a little kid up to the wall uh, for basically him to take care of. I thought that was so really random and really <laughs> fast. Yeah, it yeah, it is very quick. You're right. But knowing now that she's been trapped at that, like for that witch forever, yeah. you know, you got to take your uh <laughs> Why Take I bring your wins that when up, you can though, get them, I guess. Why I bring that up is because I almost wonder if she kind of, like Kristen's mom, almost planned to be rescued by mm. her son. She might have been also hoping hoping that from him as well, you know? Yeah. Who knows? I think the book explains it because it's, again, like, he almost is, like, love drunk under a spell mm. because of the circumstances um, of the guy telling him, like, you will meet your true love today kind of thing. So... He, he literally comes home and is, like, like drunk off of it. like, And he goes back at midnight to, I think, be with her. So mm-hmm. um, he, like, can't really stay away almost. Like, he has this, like, you know, this pull um, that's more magical in nature. So the show, yeah, the movie makes you seem like, oh, wow, this happened really quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it makes more sense when you know it was just, like, they were fated to be together, basically. Hmm. And I like in the movie that that comes kind of comes to fruition. Yeah, they do end up together, as opposed to uh, him moving on really fast in the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I didn't like, um, and I, I rewatching the movie, I had thought in my head that Tristan and the star didn't have as much of a connection throughout, and they just sort of just ended up falling in love, and it was like kind of whatever i knew that he did end up going back to victoria but i really like that they had that instance with captain shakespeare and building that relationship and it felt like it it was over a good amount of time yeah yeah i really liked that in this in the movie i think that was well done when a lot of stories would just be like and now they love each other after one day (laughs) right no, it did seem like they did spend a lot of time with Captain Shakespeare, like with Tristan actually training and becoming competent with the sword and like spending that time dancing with the star. Um, one of the things that I that didn't happen that I thought I remembered happening in the movie is I thought that the guy who relays Tristan's message relays it wrong to the star where like he told he the does. guy he does okay yeah so Tristan goes to see Victoria and he's to turn her down yeah but he says tell tell her that I'm off to see Victoria to tell her that I found my true love which is the star but the way the guy relays it is he says oh he's off to see Victoria his true love he said like because he's you know, found his true love or whatever. So he only a few words are different, but the meaning changes so much um, because the star interprets it as, oh, like, because... Victorious is true love. Exactly. Yeah. So don't relay messages to a, like... To an old innkeeper? He seemed kind of drunk. Or yeah, a drunk old, old innkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because, like, I thought I remembered him relaying that message incorrectly, mm-hmm. but when we watched the movie very recently, um, it didn't seem like he did. And I was like, I, I thought that it came out that he didn't relay that incorrectly. But yeah, okay. Um, so go ahead, Mike. What were your, uh, what were some of the things that you enjoyed for this movie? Well, overall... 
I really, I did really enjoy the movie. I don't think, as I said, some of the CGI aged well, but the themes kind of turning the whole, uh, the main character is usually like a heartthrob and has all the attention from people. And in this case, that's <laughs> Tristan's a loser, if we're being honest yeah. at first. Yep. And really grows into himself through these experiences and through travel and through opening him up, opening himself up to new possibilities. I loved all of that. And I loved how the stories melded together. And I just think that we, it was a, it's a very fun movie, a very fun movie. That was kind of my overall impressions of, of the story. So what were your overall thoughts rewatching it, Amy? Uh, I mean, I agree that it's a little different than the first time you watch it, probably because you already know what's going to happen too. Um, but I still enjoy it because every time you think you've got it all figured out, there's more fun surprises like Septimus getting like voodoo dolled at the end to like start attacking mm-hmm. Tristan and like that weird fight. Um, I feel like throughout you're always like, oh, whoa, that took a turn. And and always it's kind of, they kind of joke almost about it too um, when those things happen. So I like it because it's a little bit of a spin on like some of your typical um, fantasy tropes. Um and and it still ties together really well at the end, which I always enjoy in a movie too. Yeah, overall, for watching this again, like I still do quite like Stardust. I thought that it was entertaining. I thought it was funny. I do like the how all the plots kind of blend together really seamlessly. I also like think there's some nostalgia playing into there because even though I didn't watch Stardust until semi recently, like the witches reminded me so much of the witches from Hocus Pocus. Oh yeah, and yeah, like comparison. yeah, there's a lot of like a lot of like little connections there that just bring back the nostalgia, even if it's not necessarily for the movie itself. It's for things that the movie reminds me of, and I think that it's very interesting how like at the end of the movie you see Tristan actually becomes a star and leaves the world behind and kind of moves on once his grandchildren are at a proper age or or what however they describe it i think dylan's Mm. reaction was like wait he becomes a star right (laughs) i was like wait what (laughs) but yeah all in all i did think it was an enjoyable movie that is an interesting point that whole process of how does that work exactly (laughs) but it is kind of nice like instead of you know, them just having to stay on Earth the entire rest of her existence, like they are able to go to the heavens, so to speak. Right. It kind of reminds me of almost uh, Frodo going on the ships at the end of the Lord of the Rings, where they leave the world behind once they've achieved all they wanted to and go to the promised land. And I think we have to really just take a moment and say, when this movie starts, you're thinking you're going right in for Lord of the Rings because there's that narration right at the beginning and it almost sounds like it may be sir ian mckellen it does it does i don't know who it is but i didn't look it up i didn't look it up because honestly i kind of just want to think that it is gandalf narrating this story no but we also can't leave without mentioning the look that uh Shakespeare gives Humphrey at the end of the movie and the look Humphrey gives him back (laughs) it's just oh yeah it's too funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah humphrey's gonna have his world expanded i guess (laughs) all right but i think that's gonna do it for our discussion of stardust all in all it's a pretty entertaining movie that if you enjoy light-hearted fantasy that you will definitely enjoy if you watch it like i definitely recommend it i know 
I would recommend it. Too, yeah, I yeah? think that Amy, you recommended mm-hmm. as well. Oh yeah, watch it with your friends, your family. Have a good laugh. Maybe cry a little. All good. But with all of that being said, this is going to be three nerds signing off. See ya. See ya. See ya.